playing with a mic, yeah, so now we know it's, uh, it's uh, what are we, a lesson, lesson five, the work of Christ, session two, yeah, and today is the 20th, <clears throat> August, yeah, August 20th, wow, anyway, so that's why Jesus, one, had to be born of a virgin, otherwise he would have had the same sin nature as everybody else, and he would have been born a sinner, so uh, when you look at, look at mankind, and, you know, they've called it original sin, what was it that the the um, the Catholics tried to do to remove original sin. Penance. That's after sin. Mm-hmm. Like before. To remove it. Remove it. They so in their in their vernacular in their theology, they had infant baptism, and infant baptism removes the original sin, right? Because in the Middle Ages, um, you know, parents their ch- this is a Child, what do they call it? Child mortality rate was very high. And so parents who are concerned about their children dying and going to hell because they're sinners and haven't been saved yet. And so the Catholic Church says, oh, well, infant baptism. So we will remove the original sin. And then if they die at some point, then they'll they'll go to heaven because of that, right? Even though the scripture literally says not as a removal of sins. Right. And what is that? That never got in their way. Yeah. So, um, but anyway, uh, so we're all sin sinners, and all sin then is paid for by death. And so God determined how He was going to um, provide for a way for believers to be washed clean and and enter into heaven, and that was by sending His Son. The God-Man, Jesus, who became God, who who became flesh, lived the perfect, never sinned. He then was the sufficient sacrifice, perfect person, no sin. And so, just like the Lamb, the perfect spotless Lamb that was sacrificed for the Passover every year after the Exodus, that all points to Jesus Christ, who is the the perfect sacrifice the lamb of god who then satisfies god's wrath and is the only person that could do so therefore could he have saved the world without suffering and dying only if god had changed the plan from the beginning but that's what the plan was and so the answer to that would be no he couldn't have so i think um, i understand uh, hebrews is the, we have a high priest who we know right. basically what we were going through right because he was because he was perfect, he can yeah. sacrifice for that. Yeah. And the other part of that, he was tempted in all points as we are. Right. So he lived that life with it. He knows everything that we are we experience, and so he's able to be the high priest, our our intermediary, right, between man and God. So, yeah. Okay. So what did we look at? We looked at man's need for a savior. We looked at the work of Christ. Does why does man need a sa- need a savior? Said why? Because he has broken God's law. He has sinned. Right? How has he sinned? Well, sin is anything against God in word, in thought, in deed, and not doing what's right when we know we should. Right? So let's look at Colossians three eight just quickly. But now ye also put off all these. Okay, this is what we put off. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. That's what we're to put off, right? If we don't put this off, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communications, 
that's all sin. So we're still in our sin, right? What about thoughts? Oh, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So then we can think sinful thoughts, and that's the same as doing a sinful thing, right? Sin is sin, right? How many sins does it take to send you to hell? One. One. Is it, is it the sin of doing an act, or is it the sin of thinking an act? That's yes. sin, too. They're both sin, right? So even if you think it but don't do it, it's still sin, right? And so that one sin could send you to hell. Because it's the wages of sin is death, right? doesn't say the number. Just one sin is enough to send to, to hell. Okay. So let's move on. So what we looked at, um, uh, our need for Christ, because why? No one is righteous in God's eyes, right? What is God's standard? Matthew 5, 48, you're to be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Right? No one understands God. We're darkened in our hearts. No one seeks after God. Uh, men seek God in response to God seeking man. Right? All have turned aside. We all go our own way, Isaiah 53, 6. And all have become useless. We are spiritually dead. Right? Uh, and the, and the, the example of that, R.C. Sproul says it this. Can a dead person feel anything? No. Says if you take a 400-pound weight and you put that weight on a corpse's chest, will the corpse feel anything? He's going to turn over in his grave. Turn over his grave, right? <laughs> He'll feel nothing. He can't feel it. He's dead. Same thing with people. We are spiritually dead until we are awakened, until we are regenerated. And so, you know, and this is the struggle we always go through when 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 evangelizing and giving somebody the gospel, don't you see it? Don't you see you need a savior? And they're like, no. Why do I need a savior? Because you're a sinner. Mm-hmm. So, it just doesn't sink in. The way the master has a good approach because it brings in the law. You see, brings you in the law, right? And you ask them right? by your own commission. You're an adulterer, murderer, liar, thief at heart. You know, right? <laughs> but uh, you know, and. Look at yourself. How many times did you hear the gospel before you said, oh, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, sometimes people hear it the first time, and yeah, okay. Then they're regenerated. Other people, they hear it, and they hear it, and they hear it, and they hear it. Sometimes they hear it their whole life, and they never change. Other people, you know, on the 10th time, oh, why does this make sense? It makes sense now. Well, why didn't it make sense before? Was it God's timing? Second Corinthians, or, or First Corinthians 4, uh, 2.14, right? The natural man understands not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are spiritually discerned. So therefore, if you do not have the Spirit in you, you will not understand. Mm-hmm. It's the Spirit that quickens the soul to understand and be converted. Without the Holy Spirit, there is no conversion. Right? So though, the question is, do we know who the Holy Spirit is going to touch? We don't know that, right? God said to go out into all the nations and make disciples, right? And so that's what we do. So we go and we talk to people and we give them the gospel. Why? Because without the gospel, can anybody be saved? Right? No. no. We talked about this before. Is that, you know, can somebody wake up from a dream and say, I saw Jesus. I'm a believer. Sure, lots of people do. They do that all the time, right? They think they see, but that's not possible. Because God's word says it's not possible. What God says is this. 
through, through Paul in Romans 1.16. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. So it's by the hearing, for those who believe, right? So it's the hearing of the gospel. That's the first, that's the first part of salvation. Of course, we'll get to that next week or the week after, depending. Mm -hmm. But salvation then is available to those who have been predestined. And of course, out here in the Bible Belt, there is a big ongoing battle between the, the Calvinistic point of view on this and the Arminianist point of view, right? And the Arminianist point of view believes that, that you are the one who decides to follow and that you can lose your salvation. The Calvinist point of view is that, you know, we are a reprobate. And of course, we looked at, uh, we looked at this Romans three ten through twelve, right? As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good, no, not one. How many is included in this? All, all, all man. mankind. This is the condition of all mankind all the time until they are regenerated. This does not mean, though, that everyone will be as bad as they possibly could be, right? So that not everybody becomes a mass murderer. Right? How? Why not? Well, because it's the grace of God, because the Holy Spirit still is acting in the world, restraining evil. Right? But woe to those who are left behind when the restrainer is taken away. That will be a, a very difficult time here. There's a, there's a very good book, um, a little disturbing, called um, Neighbors. Mm -hmm. And it's about the pogroms in World War II in Eastern Europe. And what happens when the government removes restraint on just everybody, mm -hmm. the average person, and how evil we can become when the government removes those restraints, let alone God removing I mean, think about it. Friends. I mean, they were friends. They were friends, yeah. Who, who instituted government? God. And what was, what was the purpose for that? For that to to punish evildoers, yeah. right? And to maintain the peace, right? And we're told in Peter to pray for our leaders that we might live a peaceable life, right? So it's God who who um, who's put. Um, Governments into place for that purpose. Even even wicked governments still restrain evil. I mean, they're evil themselves, but without them, there would be even worse evil. There would be chaos, anarchy, riots all the time. It would just be a horrible, horrible situation. So, even 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 a wicked government is is there by God's design to protect people. So it would be Portland. That would be Portland, maybe <laughs> Washington, some of those other places. Coming to a city near you, right? Yeah, Oregon. I think we had a visitor and he didn't want to stay, did he? He just kind of rolled over and went to sleep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, poor little guy. Big guy, yeah. That's what's very funny. Look what I did. I just bored him to death. <laughs> That's all I have to say. Wait, was he, was he 
I don't know. Actually, oh. I can't tell you that, so I'm, I'm just making the assumption. I bored other people you to death. So. You're killing it, Mike. You're killing it. Killing it. Right. All right. So we said, what is the penalty required for sin? It is death, right? Forgiveness of sin requires what? <clears throat> the shedding of blood. And what did we, when we talked about that last week, what did, what is the shedding of blood really refer to? Death. It's death. It's a sacrifice of an animal, right? To cover the sins of the people. And that was instituted by God. And the, we said the first sacrifice took place when? When was the very first sacrifice? God sacrificed animals. Mm -hmm. the, the animals. The didn't cover. say which one, but, say, but mm -hmm. clothed them with the animal skin. Right. Connotates a sacrifice. Mm-hmm. What do you think those clothes look like? You think they're yeah, like, like ill-fitting or they're like nice? Like Forever 21 style. You know. I don't know. <laughs> it was custom. Custom. Was Customized for each, right? Because it wasn't like wasn't like a custom big old, fit. you know, I'm thinking sacks. bag. You know, you Rodeo think so? Rodeo Drive. Rodeo, yeah. Like oh, Saks Fifth Avenue, not as in Barton. I'm talking Saturday. alligator boots yeah, and right. a belt to match and Skin a handbag jeans. for each. Yeah. No, I can imagine they stuck to the... Maybe. The time, well, God probably, you know, made it nice. Maybe he well, gave he them allergies right? so they would stuff. That's where mm. allergies came from. Mm. He stuffed them up so they couldn't smell their stank. Could be. But I think there was think an anticipation he was driving them out of the garden. Preparing. Right? And so they needed to have clothing that was going to protect them when they got into the cruel world. But seriously, I don't think it really yeah. stuck. Because God wouldn't do that. Yeah. Well, the world well, you don't know. just fallen, so we would not have had the kinds of because organisms around that would have yet. that would have caused that. The stink? Yeah. 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 Dead animal causes the, the decay. But there was no dead animal before that. Yeah. Right? That was he the just first part of decay. So, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. That would be interesting to Probably would have taken go longer. Ahead. I think so, right? Great. Now you're just increasing my list of who to talk to when I get to heaven. Yeah. <laughs> so, what price did Christ then have to pay for us? His own shed blood, i.e. his death, right? Yeah. And the result was what? God forsook the Son. And we'll cover exactly what that means. So we're going to look today at his humiliation, his crucifixion, his resurrection, and the motive for his work. And then the resolution and continuing or continuation of Christ's work and application. Okay, so <clears throat> when we look at that, what, what, what he did, he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men. And we covered that, uh, we covered that pretty well last week. But we say the word form in the Greek is morphe. And literally the definition is essence. He is the essence of God, the essence of man. Because he had the essence of God. And he took on the, the form and being made in the likeness of men. So then let's look at his humiliation. Born in Bethlehem. Why is that humiliating? That tongue. Yeah, but as for you, Bethlehem, too little to be among the clans of Judah. It wasn't even considered one of the one of the tribe towns. It was just a an outskirt, right? He was a truck stop. I always joke about it, you know, back in in Big Grace. I said it's like being from Reseda, which is where I was from, <laughs> right? It was like Reseda. Who comes from Reseda? No, no, it was me. Or Sunland. Is that a truck stop? Back then, is a truck was. He was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so born in Bethlehem, meaning, okay, now why is that important? What, what is it? It's because, you know, in the culture, where you come from has a lot to do with status, right? It's a status thing, right? Oh, I'm from 
what was that TV show, 90120 or something? 90120. Whatever. Yeah. I worked in Beverly Hills. Yeah, so you know. But whatever. I got the numbers right. It's not in the right order. But that was about, oh, Beverly Hills, right? Like somehow that was super. The thing. Right? So what else? Born in a stable, right? Everybody knows what a stable is and what it smells like. Well, back then, I, well, I don't know what exactly that, you know, we have our stables today, but back then it was probably worse. Probably worse? Yeah. I mean, I, even well, our stables I think, don't okay, smell well. Bethlehem, Good. number one, uh -huh. they don't have the groundskeepers, the, you know, the bigger cities. That's right. They don't have the finances, the funds, the trading, you know, because it is just a truck It's a tiny little thing, yeah. And so you figure this is not one of the stables you would have in a bigger... Right. Yeah. Well maintained so or anything. Yeah, yeah. I'd say. Um, the other hand, the Jewish people are very clean. Mm -hmm. They have lots of rules about how to care for How to care for things, yeah. But uh, like tiny, small, they didn't have. You know, yeah. One thing for sure, though, is that when they get there at night, there's no room in the inn, right? Because why? Because it's all filled. So they get in there, is that there's the possibility that the stable hadn't been cleaned because it's nighttime. They usually do those things in the in the morning. So. Nonetheless. How many want to have a baby in a stable? Ooh, pick me, pick me, right? Well, you know, people do say I was born in a barn, so... Well, that's because you don't close the door, but that's okay. Just don't close the door. All right, so what else? Born uh, the son of Jewish parents. How do we know that? Why? Because they brought him to, to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what was said in the law of the Lord. A pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons to sacrifice, right? And so... That comes from Leviticus, right, where it says, there is, uh, there is a law for who who bears a child, whether a male or a female, but if she cannot afford a lamb, then she shall take two turtle doves or two young pigeons, the one for a burnt offering and the other for a sin offering. So therefore, they didn't have enough money to pay for a lamb. So they could buy two, two birds and sacrifice the two birds. What about being raised in Nazareth? What's, what did Philip was it Philip? Was it Philip who said that? Nathaniel said it. Nathaniel said to him, can anything good come out of Reseda? I mean, Nazareth, <laughs> right? Anything good come out of Nazareth, right? So it's obviously one of those places where it's known as a... Ghetto? Uh, 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 maybe, I don't know. Is it, Can anything good come from there? Apparently not much. So there was a... Lancaster. Yeah. Did you just say Lancaster? <laughs> because none of we know that. <laughs> you know, people can look this up. If you want. Oh, sorry, people. Yeah. All right, what else? He's referred to as an illegitimate child, right? John eight forty one. You are doing the deeds of your father. They said to him, "We were not born of fornication, for we have one father, God." So, when the Pharisees are talking about this, they're they're referring all the way back to when he was born. And how many years ago was that? 30 years or so. He was in public ministry. had already begun, so he's in his early 30s here. Um, so that stigma literally followed him all of his life. I had never put that together. Oh, that, yeah. Mm. yeah. I always thought God the Father. Yeah. I always, like, I never really... That it was 30 years ago, this No, no, no. They were referring, they're referring to his... His yeah. well, his right? I mean, because they say, we are not born of fornication. What is, they know what fornication is. Fornication is sex outside of marriage, right? Yeah. Right? So that's what they're referring to him. He, you're born. I always thought, Heavenly Father, but 
Yeah. So they call him an illegitimate child, and they also say he's demon-possessed. The Jews answered and said, do we not say rightly that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? So two major insults here. What's the first? Samaritan, right? What's wrong with being a Samaritan? They're half Jews. Right? They're half Jews and half Gentiles. So the Jews of the day are very racist because if you're judging somebody just strictly based on their ethnicity, what do we call that? Racism, right? So they're racist, number one. Number two, they say he has a demon because he does miracles, right? He does a miracle, and they say he doesn't buy. Well, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll look at that one. And, of course, then what, what was, uh, yeah, that's 11.15. So here it is, but someone said, he casts out demons by Beelzebub, the ruler of, of the deal. So who is Beelzebub? Satan, you said that. Uh, and the actual translation is the Lord of the Flies or the Lord of the Flies of the Dunghill. Right? And this is also, uh, th this, this word is a uh, onomatopoeia. Where it sounds like it, it's it sounds like it's spelled Beelzebub, right? This is a, it almost sounds like flies, right? So fly, it sounds like flies flying around, the, and so that's that's how we get that Beelzebub. That's Hawaiian. Yeah. I was just gonna say, it really just sounds like like Hawaiian for cockroach or something. Yeah. <laughs> and then he's rejected by his own people, right? He came to his own, and his own. Uh, boy, I missed that, didn't I? Oh, he came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. And then he, uh, yeah, so he rides in on a donkey, right? And so, a borrowed donkey, a bar, a borrowed donkey at that, right? Yeah, so, and of course, this is a, a reference to Old Testament, the Old Testament as well. Um, it says in, in Zechariah 9 9, he is, he's just and endowed with salvation, humble and mounted on a donkey, even a colt, the foal of a donkey. And then in Matthew 21, 6, 7, the disciples went and did just as Jesus instructed them and brought the donkey and the colt and laid their coats on them and he sat on their coats, right? So when a king made a grand entrance into a city, what was he riding? Well, in Aladdin, he rode an elephant. Yeah, a big, or he's on a big steed. He's on a huge horse, right? A donkey is a poor man's horse, literally, yes. I've never, it is me, because I've never read this like that, even on a colt, the full mm -hmm. of a donkey. Okay, so what happened here? So, because you always all heard my it. years of being brought up on a farm, right. it's a donkey, so a donkey's baby is a colt? Well, that would be, mm -hmm. in horse terms, that would be a, a boy baby. Mm -hmm. It's but, the same as a colt, the foal of a donkey, so okay, the that's what I, offspring. That's what I was thinking, I thought, wait a minute. And what people always miss is and that they just say, Jesus riding the big one. Well, I just knew that he rode in on a very humble, a poor little, you know, Grand Canyon pack donkey. Right. <laughs> but then, in the seven verse, and brought the donkey and the colt. Mm -hmm. So there were Both. two. Both. And which was he sitting on? He was sitting on the, the foal, the small one, the which small is even colt. more of a humiliation, okay. That's right? Kind of, I it's like riding on, riding on a sheep. So you, your <laughs> feet touch the ground. If you've been to the rodeo, <laughs> that would be hysterical. Right. Anyway, but it's it's not even a big donkey. You're, he's riding very, on a like little the baby, moral, the and moral. and the reason it's the mother and the and the donkey, the foal, is because the foal will follow the mother. So they just drag the, the 
the mother, the mother along and the foal is attached and, and walking behind. So uh, just kind of another part of the humiliation. Uh, he borrowed the upper room during the Passover, right? Because he didn't have his own room. He was sold as the price of a slave. Okay, so this is in Ezekiel, right? If an ox gores a male or a female slave, the owner shall give his or her master 30 shekels of silver, and the ox shall be stoned. Two things here that are very important. One is that the price of a slave is 30 pieces of silver. Right? The second is, is that the value of animals over the value of humans here. If an ox kills a human being, the ox is to be stoned, right? Why? Because, because he killed one of your well, it does, so it doesn't happen again too. Two things. One is that because that that slave is an image bearer of God. That animal killed an image bearer of God. That animal then shall be put to death. That is the punishment for killing a human being. I didn't look at it like that. I took it from the CEO's point of view. That ox took one of my employees, so I had to pay out thirty shekels. So I'm going to kill that animal because he cost me money. I took it from... See, I don't dive... Well, and remember, if the, if the ox does it again, then the person who owns the ox yeah. is killed. That's right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, now you know you have a vicious animal or an animal that kills humans. Well, it couldn't do it again if the ox is stoned. No, yeah, but if he didn't well, stone it... If he didn't stone it, that's on the owner. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's right. That's oh, in there. it would be the... Owner's responsibility is stone it, or the other person? The owner's responsibility, apparently, because yeah. if it happens again, the owner is killed. Okay, mm-hmm. like the pit bulls and the dogs. That's right. Same old, same old, right? But wow. no, we look at things differently. Though. People who worship the animals, don't do it. Yeah, that's true. Animal. Oh. The animal's just doing what it does. Right? Well, the animal does what it does, then the animal gets stoned. Okay? Anyway, so, um, yeah, okay. So then, it says, what did they, what did Judas take to betray the Lord? 30 pieces. 30 pieces of silver, the price of a slave, right? So inflation wasn't an issue. Though. Not bad. No, apparently not. <laughs> uh, but then again, and of course, in uh, what did we read in, uh, in um, uh, Philippians 2, 5 through 8, right? Is that Jesus, uh, he became a servant, right? He became a slave, right? So price is paid, 30 pieces of silver. Okay, what else now? The intensity of uh, just before his crucifixion, he's, he's tortured without mercy. He's forsaken by his own followers. Uh, his humiliation culminated in his burial in a borrowed tomb. Everything was borrowed. Yes, he was... That's uh, very humble. It's very, right? very low at the bottom of the grave that he has... Ownership. What yeah, did Jesus he say? Had, he had no material anyway. No, he said, uh, somebody wanted to follow me. He said, you know, foxes foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Yeah, yeah. Right? Even the animals I mean, have it, no place. All That's right. Way, so then we'll look at the three trials. Okay, again, this is, it's mind-boggling how all this took place because none of it should have. But who is in control of the process? God. God. It was preordained. Remember, what is, the, what is the statement about, um, about Judas? It says mm-hmm. that... Son of perdition. Yeah, he went to the cross. It was preordained, but woe to that man who betrays him. It's, it's been 
foreordained that this is what's going to happen. So the scriptures but, might be fulfilled. Yeah. But he is still responsible for his actions. He still suffers the punishment. So, but Jesus has three trials. So let's look at this. The first one is uh, before Annas and the Sanhedrin at night. So they led him away to Annas first, for he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year. All right, and then he goes before Caiaphas, the high priest, and the Sanhedrin at dawn. Uh, when it was day, the council of elders of the people assembled, both chief priests and scribe, and they led him away to their council chamber. All right, that's the second trial. So these are illegal? They're illegal. Now I'll get to why. Well, here's what John MacArthur says. No criminal trial could be carried through the night. This one was. The judges who condemned a criminal had to have a day between uh, before the execution and the condemnation. They're supposed to have a day between, but he was, uh, he was killed the same day. Um, the, there had to be witnesses who witnessed against him. There were none. Uh, there had to be a defense. There was no defense. There was not even an indictment. There was no arraignment. There was nothing. There was no crime. And, um, and, that, and that and many other compile a list of things they did to violate the laws that they themselves affirmed. And that's from uh, John MacArthur's statement. Okay. Um, and then Pilate before, before Pilate and the Roman governor. So they led Jesus from Caiaphas into the praetorium and it was early and they themselves did not go into the praetorium so that they would not be defiled but might eat the Passover. Okay, what does that mean that they themselves did not go into the praetorium? Right? Because what is the praetorium? Greek. It's the big courtroom, right? It's a, it is a Gentile facility, right? And what does the ceremonial laws or the Jewish laws, the traditional no laws say? With... You can't go into a Gentile building or you will be defiled. And so they are really fastidious when it comes to keeping the oral tradition. Well, they're not going in there because, you know, it's Passover. So they stand outside, and um, uh, then who is in there? It's Pilate, right? So Pilate is in there then. Oops, sorry. Come back here. Presiding over the, uh, uh, presiding over the administration here of what's going on. So, uh, so Ananias was the father-in-law of Caiaphas. No, sorry, Annas was the father-in-law of Caiaphas and had been the high priest from A.D. 6 through 15. And he still wielded considerable power and was considered by many as the true high priest. Uh, and because no fewer than five of his sons and his son-in-law, Caiaphas held the office at one time or another. Because it's, you know, it's nepotism, right? It goes, goes to, the, to the sons and whomever else. Keep it in the family. Okay, the witnesses didn't agree, right? So now the chief priests and the whole council kept trying to obtain witnesses against Jesus to put him to death, and they were not finding any, right? For many were giving false testimony against him, but their testimony wasn't consistent, right? So what do you have to have? By the way, when Jesus sent him out, sent out his disciples into the, uh, into the countryside, how did he send them out? Two. Two by two, right? Two by two. Why? Like the ark. So they have witnesses, right? So there's a witness of what's going on. You always have to have at least two or more uh, witnesses. And when you approach somebody, you always approach them two or more. Mm-hmm. So then um, they kept changing the charge. The first was sedition, and then the second was blasphemy, and the third was treason. All of these charges they're throwing up there, and none of them are sticking, right? 
So sedition is the illegal action of inciting resistance to the lawful authority intending to cause the disruption or overthrow of the government. You know, that's what previous rabble-rousers did. You know, they, they tried to overthrow the government by force. Jesus didn't do that. Okay, crucifixion. So what happens when he's hung on the cross? Christ is made sin. He made him, he God, made him, Jesus Christ, who knew no sin, to be sin on our behalf. And here's the key, right? So that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So Jesus Christ is still God. He has the righteousness of God in him. And he takes our sin on him. And we then get his righteousness. Those who believe are then cloaked in the righteousness of Christ. So then, when God looks down at a believer, what does he see? Righteousness. He sees a righteous person there, right? Because why? Romans 8, 1, because now there is no condemnation in those who are believers, right? There's no condemnation. Because even though we're still sinning, God is looking at us through the lens, the righteousness of Christ, because... The sin's been paid for. Okay. Let me go back. Did I do the right thing here? Let's see. Yes. Okay. So then Christ, second thing, Christ bore our sins in his body. He made him, and he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds you are healed. And then what's the result of that? God turns away from the sun, right? The ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which is translated, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Can you imagine? I mean, we, we can only imagine earthly, and our imagination can only go so far because we're human. But being human and trying to imagine that, that, like we talked about before, he had never, ever, ever been apart from God since the beginning right. of so Forever. all the time. You know, right. the Big Bang, the big whatever. He had always been. Right. And then to be in that moment. Yeah. So what took place? What I happened? Can't imagine when he was. What happened? Why? Why does it? Why does it change from all through the Bible? He is referred to. Jesus refers to him as Father. At this moment. It's not Father. It's my God, my God. So what has happened and why? Because he was separated. So he's separated. What does that mean? So the sin is placed on Jesus. And Habakkuk 1.13 says, Thine eyes are too pure to look upon evil, and thou canst not look upon sin with favor. Okay, so God cannot look upon his son, who he has poured out sin upon. The sins of all those who believe will be put on Christ. So God looks down and sees Jesus as sin. God cannot look upon sin with favor. He turns away from the Son. First time in eternity. Jesus' response, My God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? Well, it's because he became sin on our behalf, and therefore God could not look upon him with favor as he had done. Remember at the transfiguration. This is my beloved son. Hear him. Right? And the fact is Jesus knew this was coming. Yeah, he knew. But the fact that 
Twice what blood. Because if, yeah, and it just it just shows if if that that one it is so complex. It is so complex because Jesus knew this had to be carried out. Yeah. And no he problem. knew God could not be near sin, look at sin, and he knew. But I don't know with the book on asking God why. It's not bad to ask God why. Yeah. It's just you need to you know. And why have you forsaken me when he knew it was coming? It just shows. I don't know. It's, we don't it's understand the full gap because the Trinity yeah. wasn't broken. However, right. we know that exactly what you were saying too. Fellowship was. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. But the Trinity was not broken. Right. Yeah. So then, uh, did you have a question? What was that reference in Habakkuk? Oh, Habakkuk yeah. one thirteen. Thank you. I thought I had written down here, but oh, maybe I, I didn't know where I put it. So, anyway, okay. Uh, Oh, and by the way, that verse that I memorized, that was from the NASB 77. So, oh. if you want oh, to find circa that. Circa 77? Circa 77. <laughs> so, if you want to, that exact, you know, verse is, you have to look it up in the, in the NASB 77. Yeah, and that was because during F, no, during uh, DE, Discipleship Evangelism, which my wife and I took in 94, the 95 NASB had not come out yet, so we were still using the 77 uh, version. So any any of those verses I memorized back then for DE were in the NASB 95, 77. So that's why it's good to memorize out of a Bible that you keep and don't change. <laughs> right? So, all right. So then, uh, is this right here? Jesus completes the punishment and he says, um, uh, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished, right? And so, let's see. It's interesting. Some translations say he didn't receive it, and some say he did. I should say um, some of the Gospels, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, but, okay, but that doesn't make it wrong. It simply means that, and, and this, is, this is key in any kind of, a, say, a court proceeding, when somebody's going to testify, why do they have multiple people testifying of the same event that they all saw? Because people see it and remember it slightly different. They'll remember certain details. Oh, yeah, I remember this. The other guy didn't remember that. He was yeah. looking at something else, right? And that's why it, some of the Gospels will, will say that and others won't. Yeah, they presented the sour wine, and once they, he did receive it, and then he says he took it. But maybe because from their angle, they couldn't. Right. See, well, the lack of saying he took it doesn't mean he didn't. Right? You can say he offered it. And that doesn't mean he didn't take it. He received it. Yeah. Right? yeah. But if somebody sees it, if somebody says, for instance, I saw Keanu holding a Coke, somebody else says, I saw him drink the Coke, doesn't mean he wasn't drinking it. Mm -hmm. the, guy, the guy that's not holding it doesn't mean he didn't think he wasn't drinking it, it's just that he was holding it. Right. You see? So right. there's not a contradiction. If you, if you don't say the entire story. Well, it says received. It doesn't say he's holding it. Well, now, is there, is, it, is, is there two events? One was when they, they dipped it in gall, and he re refused the gall because that was an anesthetic. Right. And he wanted to take the full, feel the full amount. In the end, he says, I thirst, and they gave him sour wine. Right. right? So then he says, it is finished, and that's translated from the word tetelestai, which, which could be also translated paid in full. Right? It means it is finished as in paid in full. It's like mm -hmm. when somebody had finished paying the mortgage on their, on their hut. It's to tell us that. It's paid in full. 
And so Jesus literally is saying that the debt has been paid in full. And then, oops, sorry, fellowship is restored again after that between God. And he says, uh, Jesus crying with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. So he literally gave up his own spirit. Do you know how many people, how, how long somebody could survive on a cross like that? Days. Days. Three days, and they eventually they suffocate, right? Because they, they put the arms out, and they stretch it out, and the only way to get a breath, and they bend the knees, and the only way to get a breath is to push up on the, that little, you know, little wood but there. You got, you got the nails there holding, so every time you push up, it's agonizing to the feet. But you push up and you can get a breath, but your, your legs are slightly bent and it's painful. So then you go back down and you let the air out and then you go. They constantly have to do this up and down business for as long as they can until they run out of energy. And then they'll die. So then Christ is bodily raised from the dead. Right? But now Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who are asleep. So the Bible uh, refers to Christ's resurrection as the first fruits. And why is that? Why do they call it the first fruits? Yeah, well, the first fruits is, is actually a reference back to Old Testament and part of the sacrificial system, right? Or the system of, uh, I don't know, the system of sacrifices or festivals, I guess you would call it, really. But they would always take the first fruit of the harvest and offer it to God, right? And so... Jesus being referred to as the first fruits then would indicate that there is more to come, just like with the harvest. You know, the first fruit is offered to God in, in anticipation of the more to come. And so Jesus being raised from the dead, then there's the anticipation of more to follow, meaning those who would believe, right? So uh, then he's seen, seen in body, bodily form, in chronological order on the day of his resurrection, first by Mary Magdalene. Then the women returning from the tomb, Simon, Peter, the disciples on the road to Emmaus, the apostles, and then he was seen six more occasions by over 500 people until his ascension 40 days later. We know that from Corinthians, right? Which? 500 witnesses. Oh, yes. From that one statement, yes. Um, so, the, and these, these last uh, slides are actually part of the chapter, uh, part of your book, so, but just to make sure we cover that. Why did God save men? To demonstrate his love for us, right? That we might have everlasting life, right? Why, uh, what attribute of God is demonstrated in his salvation for men? His great mercy, right? Blessed be the God and Father of Jesus, according to his abundant mercy, his abundant mercy. And then uh, what, does the, what does the author call his mercy? Why does the author call his mercy great? Well, Romans 5 and 6. Because while we were yet sinners, right, Christ died for us. There's nothing we could have done on our own. So then let's quickly look at the provisions. What came, uh, Jesus Christ came to pay the price for sin. That price was his own life which he gave voluntarily, right? His sacrifice was the only way 
to take away sin for all time. Hebrews 9.12, right? Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once for all, having uh, obtained eternal redemption. Notice the word, eternal redemption. How does that contrast with the sacrificial system? Once a year. Once a year. Ongoing. There's multiple sacrifices, right? People have sin sacrifices all the time. But here, it's having obtained eternal redemption. It's once for all. It's done. So that's why the sacrificial system was no longer necessary. So what did what is his death accomplish? That he might bring us to God. Right? We were reconciled to God through his death. That we might become the righteousness of God. To deliver us from the present evil age and redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin. Romans 6, 7 is that our old man was crucified with him. So if our old man was crucified with him, what should the new man then look like? Way different. Redeemed. Redeemed, right? And how does a redeemed person behave? Well... The New Testament is all about that, right? Paul, Peter, all these talk about how should we now behave, right? And Ephesians is great for that because Paul points out, he simply says, note the contrasts in there. One statement he says, no longer behave as the Gentiles, right? That's early on in Ephesians. And then you get to five, Ephesians 5, 1, he said, be imitators of God. That's the contrast. So what are we supposed to don't be like the Gentiles. Be imitators of God. And then he goes on and talks about what that looks like. Because we all, from the beginning of our existence, sin, and we practice sin as a person who practices like the piano, right? And so you have this bucket of sins that you're dragging around, that you're continuing to practice, until the time of salvation. But the problem is, is that those sins have become habitual. And so now, the the believer in Christ has all of these bad habits that need to be put off. And so Paul gives those instructions in in Colossians 3.8 that we we looked at. No longer be, uh, be angry, full of wrath, filthiness coming out of your mouth. And then he goes to 3.12, but put on all these things, tender mercies, kindness, and the fruits of the Spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, kindness, happiness. All those things are what we put on. So you put off the old behavior and you put on the new. That's, that's the difference. So, In Romans 5.10, for if we were enemies while God, while we were, for we were, let me start all over. For if, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, how much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Okay, so in contrast to uh, Romans 3, 10 through 18, uh, we have the solution in Christ. And I need to, it's really small on your screen, right? I mean, on your slide. You need a magnifying glass. Let me see here if I can get back. Yeah, it's, it's really small. And it's kind of small on mine too. How about that? 
So maybe I can fix it so I can read it to you. You can see it better there, right? Mm -hmm. On the screen. Yeah. I can't. Okay. So the first part of that is there's none righteous, right? But through the obedience of the one, many will be made righteous. Uh, none understands. Well, the Son of Son of God has come and has given us understanding. There's none who seeks for God. The Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. All have turned aside. You were straying, but now you have returned to the shepherd. Uh, having become useless, these qualities render you neither useless or harmful in Christ. Uh, none do good, for we were his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Slaves to sin, Jesus sets you free from the law of sin and death. Um, facing death. He who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. Facing the wrath of God, justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. Okay? That is, this is a condition on the left for all humanity. Once saved, then Christ is the solution. And all of those things are then no longer attributed to them those who are saved. So that's what, his, that's what his death, burial, and resurrection accomplished. That's good for evangelism, too. Absolutely. You can just take that right with you. This is you. This is your case right yeah. here. And this is if you believe. Yeah. And you can go right through there. And it is the gospel, isn't it? And it's it? straight up. It's not a 20-minute sermon. No. It's just... Yeah. So then, last part. Resolution and continuing work of Christ... So Christ's death on Calvary finished his redemptive work for man, but the salvation story does not end there. The grave could not hold Christ. He lives and continues the work he began for us. He was declared to be the Son of God in Romans 1.4, right? And declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. And uh, after he made purification of sins, how was he exalted? He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. How do we know that? It says so. It says so in Hebrews 1.3, but it's also verified when... Who? Who looked up and saw... I see... Mm -hmm. uh, Stephen. Stephen, right? Stoning. When he's being stoned. Look, I see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand... Standing at the right hand of the Father. He was standing at that point, right? He stood up oh, and then no, Jesus I... said, Come up here. Yeah. Yeah, so we experience, uh, we experience spiritual death through Adam's sin. What benefit do we gain through Christ's resurrection? Well, right here. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the death. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. Here is the key word. In Christ. So if those in Christ are, are shall be made alive, what about those who are not in Christ? Shall all be made dead. They'll continue on. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. And I think we covered that already about the first fruits, uh, the harvest. So, let me go on quickly. So, now that uh, we have been drawn to God through Christ, what is Jesus able to do in... Jim quoted this earlier. Save completely those who come to him because he always lives to intercede for us. Right. So then, 
what role does Christ have exclusively to himself? He is the one mediator between God and man. And I've heard it explained like this. You have the accuser, who is Satan, right? Accusing the brethren before the Father. Jesus is the defense attorney, right? And so the accuser says, that one sinned. And then the mediator says, I paid the penalty. And that's what he does. And then God says, He says, dismiss, next, dismiss, next. So, just, just a simple ex explanation of what goes on there, right? Um, what did Jesus promise he would do when he was leaving? If I go a place... And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. So at the end, remember, in Acts, at the end of Acts, they're standing there and watching that Jesus had gone up into the clouds, right? And two men, it says, standing there looking, so why are you looking up? The same Jesus you saw going up will return the same way. So he's going to come back on the clouds at what time? At the time of, in his time, yeah, but he's going he's gonna to come return like that with the saints, and he's going to call up those who are dead in Christ, and they will be resurrected, and together we will meet him in the air, they will meet him in the air, and they will go into heaven, right? That is the rapture. And then, at some point down the line, is going to be the tribulation. And then he's going to return on the white horse, and at the end of that, that's because we know that, that's how we know that there's animals in heaven, because he's going to return on the horse. What kind of horse? I don't know. A white one. Yeah. All right then. So, question is this. Some people are confronted with the reality of who Christ is. They realize they've been made a terrible error in what they believe or how they live. They are deeply convicted in their hearts in the same way as the men in Jerusalem were when their eyes were opened to the truth. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Acts 2.37. And what can we all do in our hearts? Acknowledge we've sinned and are not acceptable to God. Repent. Call upon the name of Jesus to save you. Seek forgiveness through his blood shed for you. Acknowledge that he is the rightful ruler of your life. Thank God for his love and grace. And say, I've repented of my sins and call upon the name of Jesus Christ, receiving him as Lord and Savior. So, one major point here. This is it right here. <clears throat> See this? Acknowledge that he is the rightful ruler of your life. What is the... Mm, Let's see, what is the uh, argument that goes on today about the role of Christ in the believer's life? Some people say, Lord. he is Lord, right? Other people say, well, you just have to say the prayer and believe, and then you can live the way you want, right? That is, that is not what we call lordship salvation. Lordship salvation is, if you believe, then you obey. And that's John 3.36. He who believes in the Son has, present tense, has eternal life. But he that does not obey shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Right? Can't be any clearer than that. If you believe, then you obey. Those who say, you can just go live your life because, you know, Jesus paid it for you. So all you have to do is say you believe. But believing then says, I obey. That's the truth. Right? If you don't believe, you don't obey. Con you may not have what you think you have. That's correct. Say if you're talking like that, mm -hmm. the other way. Yeah, right. And so that's the problem with easy believism. 
People say, easy, easy, believe. is that, well, you just have to believe and you're saved. Well, what does that mean to believe? If Christ paid the penalty of your sin and you accept that and believe that, then truly you follow him. Change will occur. Yeah. So you use lots of the easy believism churches on the, in the Bible Belt. As you mentioned, it's a lot of emotion churches, emotion-driven churches, right? Get in there and, and the worship team with the smoke, the mirrors, the lasers, jumping up and down, getting people all excited, right? And then a weak sermon that comes out and talks about, you know, get you all emotionally pumped up, and then they leave and say, what a great, what a great service. And altar calls. Yeah, altar calls and coming out. And in the meantime, they haven't heard the gospel. They haven't heard God's word proclaimed. You know, it hasn't been, hasn't been, uh, uh, dissected and put into, you know, vernacular that they understand. Not fed. Got something there. So. Yeah, sadness. Okay, so then, what will we do next week? I don't know. Should we move on to Let's do this. salvation? Yes. Let's do this. Mm. Yeah. Because I have a quiz. If we're going to move on to salvation, we have a quiz.